0: God, amen, let's give him glory, here we go. To, to give us a, the word of today, to preach for us, and um, yeah. Good morning to everybody that I didn't say good morning today. <laughs> you guys look beautiful.
1: <laughs> yes, good morning. good morning. Let's see if we can make this all work. This is a, yes, yes, it's such a, a different time, eh? Uh, hello to all you who are watching online Um, it's uh, it's good to be here and uh, it's good to uh, figure out flexibility and how to make things work in uh, difficult circumstances Um, I'm so grateful that Jonathan uh, once again asked me to preach Uh, first of all it's good to be with you um, and um, and to be here second but in the in this pandemic, you know, it uh, for me, and I don't know about you, but it, it seems like Groundhog Day. Uh, every day sort of begins to blur into the next day, and the next day, and that it's, it's all kind of the same, and and uh, it's it's really weird. And so to be given the opportunity to come and, and uh, to to prepare, to think about uh, the scriptures. Uh, it, it, it be, it, for me, it gives some markers. we I, I've lost the markers in my life of what day it is, and so it, it, it's like, so Janelle and I are working, my wife and I are working on making some markers in our lives. Um, one which I wasn't really excited about, but uh, she decided that Thursday was going to be cleaning day. And, uh, and so th- I made another marker that Friday was our day to go walk on the beach, my wife has peripheral neuropathy, which means her feet are going crazy. And so we go down and walk on the beach on Friday. So that's another marker. So um, I hope that, uh, I I appreciate being able to be here, being able to prepare the sermon. And I I just pray that God uh, uses it together with us. Um, Let me me pray uh, that the spirit of God will move in our midst and uh, use my words to Uh, encounter you uh, with the gospel let's uh, let's pray Lord Jesus thank you thank you that you're our God thank you that we belong to you both body and soul and Lord that's such good news that's our hope that we belong body and soul to you and that you are our Lord Lord, I pray that these words this morning uh, from the gospel might speak to our hearts, might bring us to, again, face you full on and allow your spirit to wash over us. And some of the fear and anxiety, the darkness of tomorrow uh, be lifted because of you and your kingdom. Lord, you, you do, as we walk through the valleys of the shadows, you do walk with us, and so we'll fear no evil, and for that, Jesus, we're grateful. Come, Lord Jesus, be our guest. May your Holy Spirit be upon us in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I want to read. Uh, I want to read some scripture to you this morning, and. Uh, I realize it's a little bit much, and in the norm normalcy uh, of scripture reading in a worship service. So please hang in there, and if your mind starts to drift, uh, talk to it. I mean, you know, hey, mind, come on, focus on what's being read. Okay, so hang in there with me, and uh, let's look at the scriptures together. I want to read first out of John. I'm reading out of the Gospels, and my water bottle won't stay where it's put, so. Now it will. So out of John 10, um, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says, I tell you the truth, the person who does not enter into the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs up some other way, is a thief and a robber. The person who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. And the watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name. And he leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes before or goes ahead of them, and his sheep follow him. Because they know his voice. Strangers they won't follow. In fact, they'll run away because they do not recognize the stranger's voice. Okay? Now I want to turn over and read the scripture of the morning uh, that Jonathan gave us here this morning. Um, It comes, um, as you know, um, right as the crucifixion has taken place and the death and burial of Jesus. And, um, and so this is what happens. The next day, early the first day of the week after the crucifixion, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene got up and went to the tomb. And she saw that the stone had been removed From the entrance, and so she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple and the one Jesus loved and said, They've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they've put him. And so Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in, and the strips of linen lying there, but he didn't go in. And then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went straight into the tomb. And he saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. And the cloth was folded neatly and by itself. And finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. And he saw and believed. They did, not, they did not understand the scripture that Jesus had to raise from the dead. And when the disciples went back to their home, but then, but then the disciples went back to their home, but Mary stayed and stood outside the tomb crying. And as she wept... She bent over and actually looked into the tomb and was surprised and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and one at the other at the foot. And they asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. At this time, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but did not recognize him, thought he was the gardener. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking again that he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've put him and 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 I'll get him. And then Jesus said to her, Mary. Mary. She turned around completely and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have yet to return to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them that I am returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had. And she told them everything that he had said. The reading of God's word to us this morning. Well, again, uh, it's good to uh, to be here. This pandemic is crazy. Uh, from the virus, I remember a few years ago uh, reading about Ebola and thinking, "Oh man." I've worked some in Africa and thinking about Ebola and, and how, what a, a terrible virus that was and people were dying and, and I realized in, in Africa the, the health uh, facilities are, are not anything like we have here and uh, thinking how tragic it is. And now the pandemic is here and, and, uh, and we're in this kind of morass. Um, with COVID-19 ar- around us all everywhere, worried about, about our health, worried about our family. Uh, my son is a first responder and you and worry all the time about this, this virus. And then on top of that, we, we had the, the, the last few weeks, we had this heat wave and the fires burning hundreds of thousands of acres and 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 then and then the political turbulence that we feel around us uh, sort of like a heavy sheet on us um and i I, sometimes i i i feel like an old man duh and and sitting shaking my head just like this is crazy making this is crazy making and just sitting there shaking my head now mary magdalene must have found felt some of this strangeness that we are feeling today, this sense of loss of routine, the sense of, of helplessness, the sense that what in the world is going on with the, with the Romans with their foot on their neck, and she must have just sensed this, this terrible overwhelmingness of the strange, strangeness of the moment. Mary, Mary's name has two roots to it. One, Mara, means bitter. And, and Mary was a woman of the street, and, and, and she had this name kind of in herself as her identity of bitterness, of life. But the other root of her name, which is fascinating that they sit side by side, and, and some of us, I'm sure, have identity in us that sits side by side that conflicts with it, is Myrrh which means beloved. And so Mary, Mary out of the bitterness, out of the root of bitterness, had found Jesus, and Jesus had called her myrrh, and she had begun to feel, she'd begun to feel beloved, that she was beloved, that she was, she was who she was created to be, rather than, than Mara, bitter. And so, so, Here she was, within a period of like 24 hours she had begun. She had, before that 24-hour period, she had felt the love of Christ upon her, and her identity was new and wonderful, and she was feeling it. And then suddenly, that flicker of light, that hope that the possibility that life was going to be different for the rest of her life was snuffed out and gone. Jesus was crucified on a Roman cross. The boot of the Roman felt hard on her neck. And she began to feel mara, bitterness, once again. And it's true, our identity and our name it means so much. I remember, I remember as a kid, um, my name is Daniel. And uh, as a young kid, my folks called me Danny, Danny. And uh, I grew up with Danny, or, or every now and then when my folks were really mad at me, it was Daniel John Stevens, you get in here right now. Ooh, you're in trouble, boy. And, uh, but but Danny, and I grew up with Danny all the way through college, but when I left for graduate school, I left home and, um, and somehow, some way, in my psyche, now, catch this, in our psyche, our name means so much. In my psyche, I thought, you know, I'm gonna change my name. And from that moment on, from the time I arrived at graduate school, I introduced myself as Dan. Our name captures so much of our identity and who we are. And so Mary, Mary was bitter, and she couldn't sleep the night after Jesus was crucified because Jesus had begun to give her the identity of the other root of her name, beloved. And she th- th- tumbled and turned all night long, and early in the morning she decided, I'm out of irrational thinking, which really is happens when we grieve and when we feel loss, and, and when, we, when we, our bitterness takes over, she says, I'm going to go to the tomb. Now she knew that there was a, a boulder in front of the body, and even if there wasn't a boulder in front of the body, the body had already been prepared for death, and it, it was in the grave, and what was she going to do? But she got up, because what do we do in our grief and loss? You know, all of us here, this morning, right, have felt have felt some loss in our life these, these last weeks. I mean, life has been turned upside down. We, we don't do the same things. We don't have the same routines. There's There's a sense of loss in our life. And loss means grief, and so what do we do with it? What do we do with it? And sometimes we do very irrational things. I'm sure you haven't done anything irrational in the last few weeks, but um, I have, and and, and it's it, it's the strangeness of life being confused. And Mary felt that, and she went to the tomb, and 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 she didn't know what she was going to do. She didn't know how things were going to turn out. But when she got there, she found the the boulder that they roll in front of those tombs. And, and it took a while, you know, she had to go through the Kidron Valley and up the hill to the Garden of Gethsemane. But she got there, and it was still somewhat light. I mean, the light was coming, and and and. but she could see that the tomb, the boulder, had been rolled back. And again, her life, this confusion was there again, and so she thinks, uh, in her... bitterness and in our bitterness we extrapolate to the worst. When we're bitter, when life is mean and cruel and we hold it inside, we extrapolate to the worst. We have a friend who who sometimes extrapolates to the worst and it's not healthy, it's not good. And she extrapolates to the worst, thinking that the grave robbers had gotten there before her and they had stolen the body. And so she turns and she runs back to the, to the village. And it's, again, it's quite a ways. And she runs and she finds Peter and John. And she says, they've stolen the body. And Peter and John, and I love John. John, John adds this almost, I, I don't know whether he was trying to be humorous or not. But he uses his name in the third person. Don't you love the way John says it? He goes like, the, 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 the other disciple. And then he, then he adds in that little phrase in there, the one Jesus loved. Now, Jesus loved all the disciples, but John had to put it in, in there about himself. And he says, the other disciple. And then he says, Peter and the other disciples ran to the tomb, and the other disciples outran him. I mean, come on, John. This isn't a contest on a running foot race. It's about going to the tomb. But, but John, I, I'm not sure if he was trying to be humorous, but when you read it, it really reads kind of funny. And so they, Peter, John outruns Peter and he gets to the tomb. And the tomb is dark and it's a grave. I mean, come on, uh, of course you would stop. You wouldn't just, but Peter, runs right by John, runs right into the tomb, and they both go in and John sees the linens. Jesus made his bed really well. It's pretty funny how they, they, he, John describes it, folded the face cloth and put it by itself. Um, John sees it and, and, he, and he believes. And, and, and then, then the scripture just says, Peter and John went back. I mean, they must have been so excited. That something had happened to go tell the other disciples because they seem to forget all about Mary Mara bitter, and so she stands outside the tomb and they leave her. He leave her there, a- a- and she cries. I-, I wasn't sure whether we were going to be inside or outside, and I I uh, found this great picture online of Mary um, crying, tears streaming down her face. It, the, 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 pathos is just is overwhelming, the feeling of grief and loss. Because she not only lost what she wanted to come to the tomb for, the body is gone, but her whole identity was in flux and, and that, that idea of bitterness was grabbing hold of her, her soul once again and she felt bitter and in pathos and loss. And so in, in her tears, she, she bends over and looks in the tomb and again the reality and we're we're in this time right now where people are kind of living in different realities and see things so differently and 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 it's strange and she bends over and looks in the tomb and she sees two angels sitting there and they say to her woman woman why are you crying and i find that question so kind of almost it's not bizarre, but it's it's surrealistic. Why are you crying? And she says to them, "They've stolen the Lord, and I want to find him." But as she says that, she senses someone behind her. And and you know when you sense somebody behind you, you kind of glance over your shoulder. I'm a cyclist, and and you, you can hear cars sometimes coming and. And you want to know where they are and what they're doing. And and yet, you know, if you take your eyes off the road, you might go into the gutter or whatever. Uh, And it's scary. But she glances over her her shoulder. And she sees somebody standing there now in a graveyard at dawn. And somebody standing behind you. You would think she would yell out and scream. I know I would. But she again extrapolates, thinking it's the gardener. And the gardener says to her, why are you crying? Whom do you seek? And Mary, thinking it was the gardener, she says, "Uh, look, look buddy, if you've taken the body here from here, please tell me and I'll go get him and bring him back and put him where he's supposed to be. And then, And then this most remarkable moment, I think, in all of Scripture, except for perhaps Paul's journey on the road to Damascus, where he's encountered by the Lord. Jesus says Mary's name, but somehow the way he says it, he captures the belovedness of her name. And he says, Mary, and Boom. All of life changes for Mary Magdalene. Where she had lost that hope that she had found in Jesus, all of a sudden burst into flame inside of herself. And she recognized her identity not as a street woman, but as beloved of God as someone whom God cared about deeply and profoundly. All of life changed as God said her name. I want you to take a moment right now and think about a time somebody said your name and life changed. Think about it. It might have been your parents saying your name in a, in a loving kind way when you thought you were bad. It might have been your spouse saying your name when you were hurting. It might have been you heard your name spoken by God and you turned and faced him and recognized that God created you who you are and that you are beloved. Think about it. When we turn and face Christ, sometimes we just kind of see him over our shoulder and we, and, we, and we don't turn all the way, we just kind of live with him over our shoulder. But sometimes God gets our attention and calls us by name and we realize that that's, that's where the light of life comes from and we turn fully and we recognize who and whose we are. We are the beloved of God. Mary's life changed in that moment and she recognized that Jesus was a living God who cared for her and wanted more for her. Remember, remember when Jesus calls Simon? And, and Simon comes and Jesus looks at him like he looks at you and me because he knows our name. And he, and he gives, he gives Simon a new name. Simon, you're from now on, you're you're Pietras. You're Peter, you're Rocky. And he doesn't say it, but he it's implied in that that on this rock I'm gonna build my church, Peter, because you are beloved of God, and I have called you. Men and women, God is calling you. Did you hear in that? I am the good shepherd passage. Jesus knows his sheep and he calls them by name, by their authentic name, by their identity of being redeemed by Christ. When we are baptized, it says we are buried and risen with Christ. Paul talks about if anyone is in Christ If anyone is in Christ, if anyone has not just looked over their shoulder, but has turned full on to Jesus when he calls their name, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone. Behold, the new has come. Men and women, get it. From Mara, bitter, angry, disappointed, lost. To myrrh, to the beloved, one who knows the path, who sees through the darkness. And in, in this terrible time of loss, we know that we belong body and soul to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and that he is the light of life. And though we walk through the valleys of the shadows of death, we'll fear no evil. Why? Why? because we have a new name, a name that God calls us, a name that gives us identity in Jesus, to whom we belong, and who protects us and gives us our hope in life and in death, that we don't belong to ourselves, but we belong to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so death no longer holds its power over us. Loss and grief, yes, we grieve, but we grieve with a sense of hope that Jesus is risen from the dead. God calls you by name and it changes everything. The old is gone. Behold, the new has come. Jesus is alive and he's calling you and he's calling me to a new name, to a name that reflects the character peace and power and love of the risen Lord. Men and women, that's the good news. That's what happened to Mary. That's what happens to us as we turn and face Jesus fully. Turning on our axis. And when we turn and fully face Jesus, the world changes because we see it differently. We see it through the eyes of a risen Lord One who's alive, one who calls you, 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 by name. Bill, Mary, Bob, Sue. He calls your name and gives you a new identity in that name. From bitter to beloved, the Lord is risen. Amen.